Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. My name is Al, and I'm here with my bestest bud in the whole wide world. It's Dee. Who, me? Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't be, then who? Okay. <laughs> fuck us. What? Whoa. Absolutely go fuck wow. us. <laughs> what? what is that from? Why did we, why did that come out of my mouth? It's like a kid's, uh, kids like um song who stole the cookies from the cookie who jar who stole the cookies from the okay and it was me so <laughs> it was yes famously it famously is i did steal them you do come to our house and put your little little fingers in our cookie jar <laughs> but it's welcome that's why you got a cookie jar i just thought we opened up our mouths and there was like a <laughs> hive mind situation just a bolt of energy from one mouth to the yeah, other right like why do i know these words <laughs> like the Borg over here. Uh, it's like a shimmy shimmy Cocoa Pops. We just all know it. I don't know shimmy shimmy Cocoa Pops. Okay, well, we don't have time to get into it. <laughs> That's the hands, the hand game. The yeah. hand game yeah. that all the girls played on the playground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, I, all, not just girls. No, I know, but famously, for in my in yeah. my thing, I was watched the girls play it, and I look, watched from afar, and like, I want to play hands with you. You were so lonely. I know. I know. I wasn't lonely. I wasn't lonely. I was just a weird kid that was friend. I thought was friends with everyone, uh, but I also was intimidated by the the girlies. Fair. I absolutely was intimidated by the girlies. Um. So when I saw them play Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Puff, I'm like, mm. it also were the girl. There they were the. The kids who played Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop were the same ones who were on the parallel bars. Mm. Did you have those in yeah, your childhood? Yeah, I, I was always on the parallel bars. You were? I was intimidated by those kids. Because they could do the spinny. Yeah, I love it. Could you do the spinny? Yeah. Wow. I would just hang out out there. Dang. <laughs> honestly, honestly, the Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Puff kids were the bar kids. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm a big oaf. Aww. And I was very lithe and small. <laughs> and you could do the spinny with, like... Sit with the bar in your, like... Yeah. Oh, wow. Hang upside down. Wow. I could never. I was a, I was a Shrek-like child. <laughs> I, was a, I was a big boy. <laughs> As a big boy. I would have been the donkey to your Shrek. Oh, that would have been really nice. <laughs> Me with my... At Rezus, my snack of a white hot dog bun and American cheese. Just <laughs> snacking on there, watching the kids play on the parallel bars. <laughs> Uh, but oh, I had my friends. We played Darkwing Duck. We were cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's get dangerous. Let's get dangerous. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Because. Oh, big stretch. Big stretch. I want to talk. Talk. Do, 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 about do. rock and roll this episode. Really? 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 And also some other stuff. <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> I'm truly not. You're so cool. <laughs> we are cringe and we are free. We are cringe and free, yes. Um, do you have a favorite rock and roll song from the 1950s and 60s? Oh. Giving you a wide range here. Uh, I'm into, like, I think um, Paul Revere and the Riders. Oh, yeah. Just like me, I'm really, really into, I just got into Paul Revere and the Riders, or re got into because my dad was really into that nice. too so just like me i'm not your stepping stone i think those fucking slapped hell yeah yeah mine is a song that i think i didn't think that much about like 
you know, when it, it's a, a popular song. Yeah. But only in, like, recently have I really, like, started to enjoy it in a different way, which is uh, Chubby Checker's Let's Twist Again. Oh, yeah, okay. Which is, like, because the twist was so big. Yeah. But there's something about Let's Twist Again that has this, like, intense nostalgia, like, Aww. in Chubby Checker's vocals about, yeah. like, remember when we used a twist and now let's do it again. I also love Chubby Checker's voice because he kind of sounds like a Muppet. Yeah. Come on, baby. <laughs> let's do that twist. <laughs> Come on like that, right? He's good. I He's like very that. good. Yeah. Very Famously good. good. Famously so good. Famously very uh, good. And there were so many bangers. Yeah. Um, Buddy Holly, Little Richard, Johnny Ray, and Fats Domino oh. were all influenced by musicians from the 30s and 40s, like Cab Calloway's combination of jazz and vaudeville. Yes. And Sister Rosetta Tharp's rhythm and blues gospel guitar. I saw all of them on the movie Elvis. <laughs> Little Richard... Is in is in Elvis. Is he in Elvis? Yeah. My parents used to love Little Richard. Oh, he's great. He's always on. His mustache is mwah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I saw all these people in the movie Elvis. The movie Elvis. About <laughs> Elvis. Elvis was famously for anti segregation. Yeah, he did he <laughs> was in well and it makes sense. Yeah, if you think and about he it. cried when uh, hey, did you know when um Martin Luther King Jr. uh died, was assassinated, he cried. Wow. Elvis was upset about it. Cool. The movie, the movie really hammered that home. Good to know. <laughs> uh, the song credited with bringing rock and roll into the American mainstream was Rock Around the Clock. Yeah. Popularized by Bill Haley and his Comets. Yes. And it was built on the 12-bar blues progression first written down by W.C. Handy. Ooh. W.C. Handy's a really good. <laughs> it is a very good it's name. good. Water Closet Handy. <laughs> I love one. Big fan. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, a lot of the songs that are historically associated with the birth of rock and roll were... I don't know why I said it like that. You can't edit that out now. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Uh, were written and or owned by black artists. But of course. But didn't find a foothold until they were appropriated by white artists, like yeah. Elvis Presley, whose hit song Hound Dog was a yes. cover of a song originally written for and recorded by Big Mama Thornton. I love Big Mama. She's also in the Elvis movie. Oh. Yeah. Does it, she... Sing Hound Dog, oh. and then he sings Hound Dog, and he gets famous. <laughs> and there's no commentary on that. Oh, really? There's like none. none. There's like none. Elvis is like he's friends with black people, but he did cry. <laughs> so that's so vital. If you have three hours of your life, and don't you, use it to watch Elvis. <laughs> pirate Elvis, and get a little bit inebriated, and you're gonna have a real fun time. <laughs> So stories like the one about Hand Dog are, are becoming and have late, like in the past few decades become more widely known. Even as recently as 2010, a book by liberal arts professor George Blaschettis argued that the song shouldn't be considered a cover since, quote, most listeners were innocent of Willie Mae Thornton's original 1953 release. And that's a phrasing we'd need a whole extra half hour to unpack. <laughs> It's like when our producer listened to the Weird Al uh, songs and was not aware of the oh, other songs. He was innocent of yeah, them. Yeah, he's innocent of <laughs> When he heard My My This Here Anakin Guy, he never heard of American Pie. So. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. I, uh, so in my sources, there is an article from the Alabama University paper, The Crimson White, mm -hmm. that interviews Dr. Alexis Davis Hazel uh, about rock and roll history. And I really just recommend reading it because oh, it's cool. really super fascinating to see what songs were covers and where a lot of the influences mm -hmm. came from. But is Tom Hanks in it? No. The paper? No? No. Uh. no, Tom Hanks is not in Alabama University's Crimson White. <laughs> 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 
The name rock and roll itself, rock and roll, was popularized in white culture by the disc jockey Alan Freed. Oh, I didn't know that. explained the term as really swing with a modern name. It began on the levees and plantations, took in folk songs, and features blues and rhythm. Mm-hmm. Freed promoted African-American rhythm and blues music on the radio in America and Europe under the name rock and roll, bringing the genre to the white audiences who controlled access to the mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his career was absolutely salted and burned by the payola scandal, uh, which I'm sure we'll discuss at some oh, point. Oh, I'm excited. I never heard about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, it's a scandal. Scandal. Uh, but, if, yeah, Freed's international radio transmissions of the R&B music created by African-American artists set the stage for the shift that was about to roll through the music industry. Mm. Mm. A shift. A shift. Sorry, I'm looking at my little dog. He's snuff- He's put He's put his whole schnoz underneath the door and he just gave a big sniff. <laughs> We're in here and he's we stink. Like- <laughs> we are stinky boys. <laughs> and now he's sitting like waiting for us. Sorry, Aww. buddy. He's here to hear about the shift. The shift. Okay, I'm going to describe an event, and I want you to tell me what I'm talking about. Okay. On Monday, June 8th, 1964. Uh, The Beatles. Yeah. Folks, I took a big swing. It wasn't that big. About white people appropriating black music. <laughs> and when you said 64, <laughs> there's only one man I think about. Oh, yeah. This is an, uh, this is an episode about how the, the Beatles are, at heart, uh, British idiots. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> so Monday, June 8th, 1964, hundreds of teenagers waited in the rain at Hong Kong's Kai Tak Airport. As a plane approached the runway, one teen girl said, I told myself I wasn't going to scream, but I think I will. <laughs> That's how I feel every day going to work. (laughs) I'm that teenage girl. Another girl, when asked if she was going to scream, replied, of course. (laughs) I love how these interviewers are like, hey, you going to scream? Are you going to scream? Are you going to scream? Are you going to scream? On June 11th, the South China Morning Post reported on the departure of the same aircraft. In minutes, the jet was lost in the cloudy late afternoon sky. And that's when the music died. No, that was the oh, that was Buddy know, Holly. Bopper, you <laughs> yeah, know. I know, I know. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Beatles just beefed it? That'd be sick. That would be <laughs> What our timeline would be. Because I would think be it would the be a whole yeah. I think it would be an alternate universe. That would, that's a that's a, a linchpin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A turning point. Mm-hmm. A freckle faced eleven year old quickly turned around as if the sight was too much to bear. She whimpered, they're gone, held her face, and drifted slowly back into the terminal. Oh, my God. So what happened in Hong Kong in June 1964? It was the same thing that had teenagers fighting with police in Beirut. Hell yeah. And waiting at the airport in Calcutta and Bangkok. It's Beatlemania, baby. It's Beatlemania, baby. It's Beatlemania. Can I tell you my my mom's Beatle story? So my mom was, like, I guess 10, 11, 12, 13 when Beatlemania hit. Yeah. So she was the right age, right? Mm -hmm. My f- my two favorite stories is when the Beatles came to Hamilton in Toronto uh, in the mid-60s. My mom was in a Catholic school, and she was a bad girl. <laughs> she was a smoker, and she was a bad girl. Oh, my God. And so the tickets were going to come out, and, of course, back then you had to order your t- You either had to go to the ticket master in person, or you had to order on the phone. Mm-hmm. So my mom snuck into the nun's principal's office. <gasps> And ordered her tickets to the Beatles on the phone. Oh, my God. So she got to go. She got to go um, with, I think, I guess my 
younger the younger her younger sister my mm-hmm. aunt went as well and she said when she when they went they were so far back she's like they couldn't tell it was the Beatles. Oh. Like, it was so loud. They did not hear any music. It was just screaming. And it was like, she says, it could have been four guys in wigs and they would have never. <laughs> but <laughs> Incredible. That's the I Beatles mean, that's story. basically who they are. Just... That is the that is who they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love those stories. I think that's very cool. That is very yeah. cool. So at their hotel in Hong Kong, the Beatles were bombarded by screaming teens as they attempted to answer the questions posed by reporters. When one asked Paul McCartney, would you like to go to China? He responded, I thought this was China. (laughs) And Lennon and Harrison joked about having caught the wrong plane. Oh, no. One presumes they would have noticed if they were in mainland China, which was still recovering from the roughly 45 million deaths born from the famine and violence produced by Mao's Great Leap Forward. I was going to say, uh... 1964 was, however, the year that the first edition of Quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong was published, also known as the Little Red Book. Mm. As the Beatles continued to take hold in music culture, so was Chairman Mao's rhetoric gaining support in the American left-wing politics. Dubbed the New Left, young adults were taking inspiration and fortitude from seeing the tides turning so significantly in China, Cuba, and Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Many still enshrined Marxist-Leninist thought, and others leaned into the ideologies of left-wing world leaders like Fidel Castro and Ho Chi Minh. Mm. But collectively, the college campus and working-class neighborhoods became centralized places for political fury against repressive, racist, homophobic, nationalist, and pro-war government policies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mao's denouncing of the USA's systemic racism against black people created a bond between the CCP of the 60s and black political leaders, including Malcolm X, as well as Black Panther Party founder Huey Newton, who met with potential Mao successor Zhu Enlai in 1971. Huey Newton and Bobby Seale raised money for their community in 1966 by selling copies of Mao's Little Red Book on Berkeley University campus. Oh, dope, man. So by 1968, the desire for change was reaching a razor's edge. The Tet Offensive in Vietnam massively escalated the conflict. There was a violent clash at the American Embassy in London, protests in Poland and France, and at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, anti-war protesters as well as reporters, photographers, and bystanders were met with a full-scale police riot. Two days before the DNC convention, the Beatles released their first track that referenced politics in a direct way, if not altogether. Revolution was written by John Lennon, who, along with bandmates, was viewed as a leader of the counterculture. If the new left were hoping that the biggest name in rock and roll would support them, they were disappointed. <laughs> Look, John Lennon's got to—he's got to sit in a bed. He's got to sit in a bed. He's got to sit in a bed and say peace now. He's got to go meditate. In I'm not going to do anything about it, but maybe can you think a about peace, peace? Maybe. Yeah, but, let's just think about it. Fucking Jesus Christ. Uh, would you? I also think this is classic L shit. You did say this was a classic L shit yeah. because you're like, hey, Beatles also. Let's talk about the revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. So um, I will read you the lyrics of the song Revolution. I can sing them. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. I love that because it's like, we all want to, but should we? (laughs) Do you know the rest of them? Um, No. You tell me that it's evolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? <laughs> don't you know it's going to be all right? All right? Don't you be, all right? Hold on. Don't you know it's going to be all right? <laughs> well, you say you got a real solution. Well, you know, we'd all love to see the plan. You ask me for a contribution. We're all doing what we can. Um <laughs> But oh my god! If you want money for people with minds that hate, all I can tell you, brothers, you have to wait. Uh, don't you know it's gonna be all right? This is 
this is beautiful leftist politics in a little button, in a little, in a little bottle. This is where it comes from. You say you'll change the Constitution. Well, you know, we, we all want to change your head. Uh, you tell me it's the institution. Well, you know, you better free your mind instead. Uh, <laughs> free your mind, baby. But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow. You ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow. Don't you know it's going to be all right? Don't you know it's going to be <laughs> all right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> the reaction was not positive. Pollution. From whomst? From the left. Uh, oh, really? Oh, good. So they did call him out. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay, good. They were like, sorry? Are you fucking kidding us? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I thought it was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Even Jean-Luc Godard was up their asses. <laughs> <laughs> when you have Jean-Luc up your ass, <laughs> it, isn't, it ain't pleasant. Revolution created the first major conversation about the connection between politics and rock and roll music, or rather what rock music had become since its origin wow. in black rhythm and blues, jazz, and spirituals. Holy shit. It's like, it's milk toast. Yeah. It's it's vaguely reminiscent of politics, but then in a non-committal way. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's like using the appropriated culture yeah. to then say, well, you don't really need, you know, you don't need a revolution. Yeah. It's like, we're going to rage against the machine, but what if the machine was our friend, maybe? <laughs> but we like... The, the, machine like the machine is safe. The so machine is good. For us. Why would we change it? Why would we rage against it? Yeah. And if you want me to rage against the machine, which is my friend, as I mentioned, I'm going to need a really specific, like, 10-point plan on how and why. John Lennon's an ally. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> he would call himself one, though. Yeah, he would. Yeah. That's the worst part. <laughs> Nine years later, on March 26, 1987, Revolution once again blared from America's speakers, this time coming from their television sets. Oh. In between segments of The Cosby Show, NBC's top-rated program, the anthem of neutrality accompanied an all-black-and-white shaky cam advertisement for a new piece of self-inflated footwear, the Nike Air Max. Oh, my God. Wait, the poofy ones? Yeah. You poof-poof it? Yeah. You squeeze them. And then it fills with air? They're, I don't know if they're the poof ones, but they're the first ones where you could see the air inside of them. You could see the air. That's bullshit, okay? <laughs> That's so fucking bullshit. Because guess what? There's air everywhere, baby. Yeah, I'm breathing it right now I'm for bre- free. <laughs> well, not you're really for free. No, not for that. But you're selling me air? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. It's in my shoes? Okay. Oh, my God. Nike knew the Air Max was a game changer for their company. Their first shoe with visible air. <laughs> They asked their ad agency, Whedon and Kennedy, to create an ad as revolutionary as they felt the technology was. They presented a brief that closely matches the final product, including the use of the controversial Beatles single. At this point in history, no one had licensed a Beatles track with the Fab Four performing it for a non-Beatles advertisement. And as of March 2023, no one has since. Say that again. So this is the only time that a Beatles track with the Beatles performing it, like one of their masters, Uh has been used in an advertisement. The first time and the only time. Yes. So all the other ones that they use, it's not sung by the Beatles. Yeah, it's either a cover or it's an advertisement for the Beatles music. Wow. Gee Louise. (laughs) Wild. Wild. Two months after the ad first aired, Nike was sued alongside EMI and Capitol Records by Apple Records, the Beatles' own record label. Hmm. 
What, was sued, sued by the record label? Yeah, so the Beatles, Apple Records sued Nike, Capitol Records, and EMI. Because they didn't get, they didn't buy it? So what had happened was... Okay. Nike needed to get two different licenses if they wanted to use the Beatles' master recording that they used in the ad. Yeah. First, they needed one from the music publisher to allow them to use the music and lyrics. So they would need that even if they made a cover of the song, which was their initial plan. Okay. They sought and acquired permission from the license holder, Michael Jackson. I was going to say Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Also informing Yoko Ono as a courtesy. She's here, too. She's also here. They were hoping to contract Julian Lennon, John Lennon's son from his mm, first marriage, to yeah. cover the song for their ad. To cover the song? Yeah. Okay, okay. As a result, Yoko Ono pushed hard to get Nike the second license from Capitol Records to use the Beatles' master. She loved her Air Jordans. And hated her late husband's yeah. son from a previous marriage. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which uh, George Harrison later stated in a in an interview from the same year. Yeah. George Harrison was like, yeah, she found out they were going to use Julian Lennon. And she was like, fucking no. Oh, wow. No way. The T. Yeah. Uh, well, it was technically licensed through the correct channels. The use of the song provided the Beatles' Apple records with the opportunity to air longtime grievances with their former label in court, dragging Nike into the mud along with it. Oh, my gosh. This is like the, what's it, Festivus. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to tell you. Yeah, airing your grievances. (laughs) Uh, Much like the song contained within, the Nike ad was controversial. People either loved it or hated it. And by hated it, I mean boycotted Nike. NBC's Today Show host Jane Pauley said that using the Beatles music had taken away a part of her childhood, saying that it was sacred and shouldn't have been used in advertising. I love this because, like, the song they're using is fucking... (laughs) lukewarm oatmeal neutrality neutrality and it's like you're you're <laughs> like corporate like corporate neutrality yeah. so bad and they're like you're taking away our childhood the Beatles were radical <laughs> they fucking were they just went to India and took a lot of drugs like yeah. that ain't radical <laughs> On the CBS Evening News, Chris Morris, the LA Reader's rock critic, made a statement saying Chairman Mao never wore sneakers. What did he wear? There are lots of different kinds of shoes oh. in the world, well, D. <laughs> I can see Chairman Mao in, like, a pair of Skechers. I feel like combat boots. Eh, that's two on the nose. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Heelys, okay. even Heelys. On the long march, he wore Heelys. <laughs> that's how they got through <laughs> so quickly. Nike Business Affairs team member Mark Tomaschow wrote him a letter saying, While I have no way to verify the fact that Mao didn't wear sneakers, I suspect that if he didn't, the reason was because Nike did not begin producing sneakers in China until the 1980s. If we had, he likely would have worn them, and the long march wouldn't have seemed quite so long. Oh my god, I made that same joke! Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got him! Thomas Show says, I sent him a copy of a photo from Time magazine of Premier Zhao Jiang and pointed out that he was easy to spot as he was the one wearing Nike sneakers in the middle of the picture. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking got him, I got guess. Got him, I guess. This is bad. All of this is just this bad. Sucks so this, bad. Everyone sucks. <laughs> this is an am I the asshole? Everyone is an asshole. <laughs> You're all the asshole, including the Beatles. Oh my god. As Thomas Shaw alludes, in 1981, Nike's consumer presence expanded in China as over Deng Xiaoping's tenure as premier, diplomatic ties between China and the West were reestablished, and trade began to open. Once affixed with the appellation Red China, the CCP's moves to communicate with the West in their preferred language, by which I mean money, mm. repainted Mao's crimson communism with a more Western-accessible scarlet of market mm. socialism. Yep. In 1969, a year after the Beatles released Revolution, their questions about the vehicle for change were answered Mm. in a response song by Nina Simone. Oh, 
She countered Lennon's words directly, addressing his questions using his own melody and the power of her incredible contralto vocal. Here's some of the lyrics. Oh, good. Singing about a revolution because I'm talking about a change. It's more than just air pollution. Well, you know, you got to clean your brain. The only way we can stand, in fact, is when you get your foot off my back. <laughs> oh, shit. I got the crinkle tingles. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately um, for all of us, there is no Nike ad featuring Nina Simone's revolution, but that doesn't mean we have to watch the Beatles ad, so I'm sorry. We'll return after these messages. When you talk about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Don't you know it's gonna be All right All right All right Welcome back to the show. Oh, this one got me. Yeah? Yeah. Because the jock in me is like, oh, athletes of the 80s, there's just a je ne sais quoi. (laughs) Just like they're running shorts and they're sweaty baggy tops. And and McEnroe in there. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) I just think it's like, so like Nike, a company that made such a tremendous profit off of using athletes like Michael Jordan mm. in their their commercials. I just think they've profited a lot off of <laughs> other people's imagery? Uh, imagery and culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the <laughs> the imagery that they use, they and this commercial, it's funny that you're saying that, they rely heavily on the athletes and they have like one shot, the same shot of their Nike Air hitting the pavement and kind of buckling yeah you're like wow that air is really working for I you i can huh? see the air in it yeah it's I in can, there it's in there and then it gets squished out but it's the same shot and they sh- they it's like three times we yeah. see in the commercial that's not the exciting part the b- exciting part of the, are the sweaty bodies because they're they are making you feel they are in this making commercial me feel i did feel yeah i did and feel. the song is part of it they got me al oh oh al how they got me <laughs> you al oh Garfield says you are not immune to propaganda. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm famously not immune to propaganda. <laughs> I'm going to go for a run right now. Though I wear sketchers. Because <laughs> they are gay. Mine are rainbow. And don't you tell me that's rainbow washing because it absolutely is. Okay. But I paid them for it. We have a black and white. It's shaky. There's a lot of sweaty 80s athletes. Yeah. And I love everyone. Lots of muscles. Plus a tight bodies. A lot of, a lot of hunks. And a lot the, of oddies. A lot of th- tight bodies and then like really flimsy looking footwear. Yeah. Just like the, oh, man. Selling air. This is funny because you're, you're buying a shoe with less shoe. Yeah. Huh. Because there's air in there. Wow. 
I still like, I can't wait till we hit the pump ups. Yeah, the pump ups are good. I gotta know, because that's more air. And uh, yeah, I mean. How does it work? I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about Juan Peron when we get to the we pump ups. We got it, we got it, we got it, we <laughs> got it. Maybe Evita's involved. Oh my God. I have, that's just, that, that was nothing. We're going there, we're going there. <laughs> Any, I, I don't know, man. I was, a, I was not immune to propaganda, because boy. Yeah. Dang. It's, I mean, hey, they're, the thing is, these people are very good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, and what they do is they compress culture. The, much like the Beatles. Yeah. Because that song is like, it hit me because it's got, it's so funny because it has this, this, the guitar line at the front. Yeah. Hits you and you think, oh, this is a good song. And then you realize it ain't a good song. And it's like that. It's just the feeling of a good song. And that guitar line is so like indicative of where those 1950s 50s, like yeah. musical roots came kind from. kind of raw. Yeah. It's supposed to be raw, but it ain't. Yeah. I mean, wow. there's so many like Fats Domino songs that start like that. Na, 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 na. Hey, it's 2023. We do want a revolution. We do want a revolution. But we want, hey, Nike's going to give it to us. Are they? Well, maybe. Okay. They're going to relicense. They're going to talk to Yoko again. No, no. <laughs> They're like, hey, Yoko, Julian's right up her ass. <laughs> Julian wants in the Julian project. Julian wants in so. the project, so you better give us the rights again. <laughs> and Yoko's in, right? Yoko's in. They're going to do the same thing, only with athletes of the early 2000s okay so sweaty bods to- way more tight we're gonna get toy- some williams in there we're gonna get some Will- we're gonna get some williams we're gonna get some kobe's we're gonna get we're gonna get all uh, just all day right <laughs> but here's the thing what is a revolution if it is supported by capitalism right yeah really huge huge right? if true huge if true and it is true so they're gonna sell you a revolution mm-hmm. in that you give money to a corporation and you'll like it. So the new Nike Air, it's just air. They're just selling you air. You open, it's it's the box, baby. You open it up, just air. Is it like a special edition? No. Box? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a special, oh, the box? Mm-hmm. Fuck. The box is fantastic. What if it's like, it's a play on the like classic vintage Nike boxes, so yeah. it actually just looks like a vintage box? Yeah. And they could have just had a million of these sitting in an old warehouse. Yeah, oh, <laughs> they absolutely do. It's f- it's $250. It has a little card inside it's that says it's like one of 200. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this air, maybe you breathe it and it'll make you a better athlete. We don't care. Whatever you do with this, none of our business. But this is the new Nike air. It's air. Nike, colon. It's air. air. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the new revolution where we don't actually purchase anything, but we're still giving corporations our money blindly because of a feeling. Mm. Right? And we do like breathing air. We do like, famously, humans do need to breathe air. Mm. So I think maybe I do need this $250 box of air. Designer air. Designer air that I get a huff. That's probably a thing, right? Like, oh, people are... Almost certainly. Probably, like, you know, bottled water. They Mountain get air. air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Mm, that's it. I'm mad. I'm Dude, so mad. That's it. That's the revolution. I'm really mad. What song do they use? They use the no, same song? No, they use the same song. Same oh, song. Oh, right, song. Yoko. Yeah, yeah. Same song. Yoko's in. She's like, yeah, we'll buy. She probably thinks, like, that's a art. You know what I mean? Yeah. I went to Yoko Ono's art installation in uh, Vancouver, 
And I thought it was quite clever because, you know, it's Yoko's later art, like her art now is uh, smart because it encourages the uh, viewer to interact with the art. And that's yeah. something that, you know, was revolutionary in a long time ago. But now it just kind of comes up with, what is this fucking message? <laughs> like, climb this ladder. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and okay, these, these platif- platitudes on the wall, they're very, like... Again, lukewarm. Mm, Um, But to give Yoko credit, uh, she specifically works with Native and Indigenous artists. In Vancouver, she did. Um, She did a whole installation about and gave them money to create art that can can contain water. Oh. Uh, And so the end of her, the end of that uh, exhibit was all of those Indigenous art pieces that had to do with water. Oh, fantastic. And so the thing was... The artist adds water, and then Yoko comes and adds her water as well. But that's kind of weird because it's like these artists create these pieces, and then they add water, and then Yoko's like, I'm part of this too. Here's some (laughs) Anyway. Her water was the money. Yeah, her water was the money. (laughs) I have one one more question. Um, Do you think that Nike Air is shipped in from China? (laughs) Famously good air in China. (laughs) Absolutely. Why not? (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. You know, that felt bad. Yep. So I got to get a commercial that makes you feel a little good. Okay. And this is a commercial from Virginia. Okay. And it touches on one of our favorite things. <gasps> a donuts. Donuts. This uh, is duck, me. Ducks Donuts, baby. Ducks. Ducks Donuts. Quack, quack. Uh, if you want to watch this ad, you can go to our sources. Yeah. And I want to thank my friend Jesse from Virginia. They talked about Duck Donuts and I had to find a commercial. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Summertime is oh so sweet. It's not just the waves or the sand under your feet. know who you'll get to meet. But the best thing of all is what you get to eat. Ah, what a treat. It's it. I chose this ad. Oh, because my our, my friend Jesse was talking about duck donuts, and I famously love donuts. But it just it's uh, right now. It's what March, end of March. Yeah, it's donut time. It's do is and it's getting to be the feeling of summer coming. Summer yeah. is coming. It's not here. Looking outside, it's kind of gloomy, but it is coming. And this ad gave me the feeling of summer vacation. Do you know when that ad is from? Oh, very recently oh, okay. in the two thousands. Yeah, because that child looks like. Um... A Stranger Things. A str- he does look like a Stranger Things. <laughs> Just saying. That'd be cute. The gay one? Oh, maybe. He looks like the gay one yeah. from Stranger Things. Aww. Um, but that, yeah, it was a very cute ad of, yeah. like, young love. Yeah. Love with donuts. Lo- young love with with donuts. Yeah, being young and in love with donuts, which I think we can all relate oh, to. Oh, God. I love a donut. I'm 35. I'm in love with donuts. I loved it. You're 35 still? 
Aren't you 36? No. Oh, I don't even know how old I am, so... You're 36. Mm, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm in my 20s, okay? What's your favorite... What was your favorite donut as a kid? Because in the commercial, we see the chocolate glaze and the rainbow sprinkles, and I thought that was classic. My favorite donut as a kid. Yeah. Honey glazed from a Tim's Horton. Oh, yeah. Back when, you know, Tim's Horton used to be... Tim's Horton used to be quality. They used to have strawberry tarts oh. and a big <gasps> cake full of cases. I mean, a big case full of cakes. I... Oh, my gosh. I remember going there with my... Strawberry tarts just transported me out. I, I, I completely <laughs> forgot about those. I used to go there with my grandparents, and they yeah. had, the like, the little tart case, and then the strawberries, like, yes. a crown. Yes, yes, yes. Covered oh. in just glossy glaze. Yeah, glossy I, glaze. I always was so excited to get one. Oh. But you were a honey glaze. I was a honey glaze. I like a classic honey were glaze. Were you a cr- criller? No, I, no. I, I didn't like crullers for a long time, but I do like them now. Yeah. The lucky the, the crullers from Lucky's Donuts in Vancouver are really good. Oh, I think I need to go get a donut. <laughs> I think I need to go get this and I need to go get a donut. <laughs> As a cake donut boy with a cho- oh. chocolate on chocolate. I'm used to it all the way. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate jimmies. The th- mm. triple, triple thrice, thrice chocolate. Nee. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, tell us your favorite donut at creeps at gmail.com. Or tell us your favorite donut local ad. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, either or. Both either or. Either good. or. Yeah. You can also find us pretty much on any social media at ad creeps. Yeah. And you can also, uh, nope, uh, that was it. No, you can buy us donuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, or, a.k.a. fund us to keep this podcast going at Kofi. Kofi.com slash ad creeps. Yeah. Uh, every buck helps. Especially if it's enough money to go buy us some donuts <laughs> that's podcast fuel that's podcast fuel i think we gotta go get some we gotta go okay until next day we, we are, are signing off but first word for my spouse I gotta go out. Let's go get donuts. I like it because they have a hole. Oh, wow.